It's great to be here. I, I've planted three churches, and I, I love the vibe here. I, I know some of you, and great facility. It's so nice to come in, and people are so warm and connected. That's really cool. So, you know, you're really doing family right, and family's tough, isn't it? I mean, you, when you put these rings on, you think, this will be a breeze, you know, and you, you're Twitter-pated, the hormones are flowing, you know, and then life happens, and here you are. And uh, when, I, when I grew up, my family was pretty disorganized. Uh, we had our challenges, and I was, I was a, a, a wild child, and so my parents were never surprised, you know, when the police came or they got a call from school. And because everything that I did, I did 200%. My mom said, you know, you were born in the parking lot. We couldn't even get you in the hospital. You just came, and you've been running ever since. So when I became a Christian, it was this 180 thing. They're like, he's got to be in a cult. Well, at least he's behaving. So they didn't really make, you know, uh, much of a ruckus about it. But the way that my wife and I got married is hardly, I've been a marriage and family therapist for 30 years. It's hardly the way that I would advocate. Rob would freak out if he did pre-marriage with us because we had one of those relationships where we worked together. I was a youth pastor and my wife Betsy helped me with that. And we had both been through some rough relationships. And so we had on our own, independent of one another, just said to God, you know, if you have a spouse, you bring him. Otherwise, I'm just going to busy myself with what I can do for you. So we had one of those relationships where as I was getting ready to leave to go to graduate school and, and work in the inner city of Miami, um, I really did feel like God impressed on my heart that Betsy was the one for me. And lo and behold, God did the same to her. So we had the conversation about what it would look like to get married before we even dated. That's weird. You know, and I, I'm the first to say, don't do what we did. But you know, once again, Mark Spencer going 200% you know, even God has to set up these roadblocks so I can run into him several times and go, oh, there's a roadblock there. What are you saying, Lord? And so when, when we went home, uh, meeting her folks was really interesting. I don't have time this morning to tell this story, but uh, it was interesting. And uh, we, we went to then, because we had two weekends where we could go talk to her parents and, and say, you know, here's what we're thinking. What do you think about it? and then go see my folks. Now, um, my dad, his, his mind is blown about what's going on in Mark's world. And so I show up, and my dad's getting ready for work, and he moves a lot too. So I said, Dad, i got to talk to you about something really, really important. Yeah, okay. And he goes down upstairs. And then I said, Dad, five minutes. Like, can I have five minutes' time? And he comes down and says, yeah, just talk to me while I'm walking. I said, but Dad, I, I want to, like, see your face, not the back of your head. And we're kind of going back and forth, and he's going back and forth. I said, Dad, I need to talk to you about getting married. And he said, really? Someone's going to take you? And I said, <laughs> yeah, you know, for real. And he goes, yeah, ha, ha. And he goes in the room and comes back out. And, you know, this ex weird exchange is going on. And then um, he comes out and he goes, you're serious, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I am. I, I, I think this is the woman that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And he looked at me and he said, you're crazy. And he, you know, he, he wasn't like, you're crazy. It was like, you're crazy. And then he sat down and looked at that, and, and there was this tense moment in the room of, you know, all my life I was hoping my dad would say I did one thing right. And here's like my biggest moment, and he's saying, you're crazy. And it didn't go down the way that I thought it was going to go down. 
And isn't that how family works at these times when you'd hope they would be there for you or would accept you or would listen to you? All of a sudden, they're looking at you and they're going, you're crazy. And this is tense, awkward, weird moment, and what do you do with that? And so what we want to talk about today is what do you do when either you're driving your family crazy or they're driving you crazy, you can't quite figure out what does it look like to really do this thing called family. And it's, it's so important that we realize, oh, I was put that up there. Don't you wish you could see an old wedding photo? I'm not going to show you any of those. I'm not going to bore you with a slideshow. But here's the deal. Just about everything that you could ever encounter as a human being on the planet Earth, Jesus has encountered for you. And this is an astounding verse. You get one verse. Look at this. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. Now, this isn't Mark. This is Jesus. Think about that dynamic. And the crowds are there, and all this is going on. I mean, what's it like for Jesus? He's, he's launched out in ministry and, you know, maybe hoping to hear some words of affirmation because the Pharisees sure aren't throwing them his way, you know. And instead, his family comes saying, he's out of his mind. What was it like for Mary, who had heard all these things about her son and had watched him grow what was it like? What was it like for his brothers and his sisters? We know he has family. We don't know exactly what the construct is, but, you know, he's got siblings. What was it like in this moment when his family comes and says, listen, dude, you're out of your mind? Tense, right? And I don't know when you're sitting there, I, I, I can't see like in the inside of your head or your heart, if you've had those moments where Severe disagreement with you and your family, or you and your siblings, or you and your inherited family when you got married, you know, what does it look like? But there's really only a couple of different ways this can go down. And how it looks generally for us is, it sounds like this, I'm okay, you're not, or you're not okay, but I am. Isn't that what happens in a good old-fashioned family fight when this is happening? And away it goes, and usually the people that have the most power and influence start to draw the lines, make the rules, and we, we keep the okay people, and then the people that don't fit the box, where do they go? Question, not a rhetorical question. Where do the people that don't fit in with the plan? Out. They go away, don't they? And see, this begins this huge struggle for us because we are created, hardwired, with certain things that we need and, and we crave and we search for these things. And two of the biggest pieces happen in Genesis. When God creates man, what does he do? He names him. You're Adam. And he gives Adam a sense of identity. And what we crave in life is who am I, right? And, and you're hoping your family helps you figure that out and affirms you in that. So you, you're, all your life, you're searching for the sense of who am I? What's my identity? And then not only that, but the second piece that's really important, place. Where do I fit? If, if I'm this, where do I belong? And so when the, when the family explodes like we're talking about, what it really looks like is this. 
there's Mark, where he usually is, on the outside of the room, you know, and, and then everybody's looking. I was like, can you believe Mark? You know how it works in families. Like, he's getting married. And like my sisters were like, wow, she's probably crazier than he is, you know? All of this stuff. We found out later that at our wedding, my family was taking bets. They had a betting board for how long it would last. It's been 30 years now, people, you know? So thank God for his mercy. But this dynamic of, you know, can we let you in and out? In some ways, it's good. It's what your mama told you when you were little and you started to toggle off to school. She said, don't talk to strangers. Because, you know, you don't know if they're really good or bad, so you want to keep them on the outside. That's the good version of this. But when you're in family and it feels like that, it's very bad. It's very tough on our hearts. It, you find yourself asking questions like, who, who am I? What's wrong with me? Why don't they like me? I wish they would just accept me. Why can't it just be okay? And in-laws become outlaws. And, you know, uh, in that sense, I think I'm preaching to the choir. Am I not? We, we just have these huge things. Bottom line, it just leaves us feeling so broken. Why is this thing that God created, family, so hard to do? Why can't I find my place? What is it? And we feel this real big problem of we need them, but they don't seem to need me or they don't really like me. And there's this dynamic of, ah, I wish somehow we could connect and enjoy one another, but you just keep me on the outside. And, and yet you're craving. I can't tell you the number of people who come and see me in a counseling context that are older than me that still say, I wish my dad would have at least one time looked me in the eye and said, you know what, I'm proud of you. I love you. And, I mean, it's unbelievable. Some guys like I'm thinking of right now are in their 60s and 70s, still craving dad saying, love you. You're my guy. Now, we got to go a little bit deeper into this problem to figure out what, what is it that causes something so painful out of something that's supposed to be so blessed. The problem really is us. It's, it's this thing that's inherent in us because here's the deal. Listen carefully. We don't see the world the way it actually is. We see it how we are. And so the perfect world operates according to Mark Spencer's rules, right? It's like, oh, it should go down the way Mark likes it. And, and you, you go through and you see that how this is reflected in humanity because, you know, isn't it weird, junior high, early senior high, these uh, emerging adults are starting to figure out, I got to be different, I got to be me. And what do they do? They dress exactly like all their friends, you know what I'm saying? They, what's in style? They don't dare wear something outside the box. They're just trying to fit. They're trying to get in there. But the problem is, is that as we're doing that, you know, as we fit in that box, we're cutting others out. And so in family, what happens is they're always asking the question, are you a Hatfield or McCoy? Are you with us or not? Are you, in other words, are you going to be exactly like us or not? And in my family, that was an alcoholic family, that was tough to do. And here's Jesus' family coming and saying, listen, son, why don't you just be a good, fine, upstanding Jewish citizen and behave? 
instead of this crazy stuff that you're into. So what happens since we have this twisted view of what the world should look like is we are always in relationship trying to make people into our image. We say, God, we got this one. Let's mold this one. And how that feels is this. You feel like the only way I can be a part of a relationship with you is to shrink me so I fit inside your box and, and kind of just slide in there. And the problem with it is it feels exactly like that. You feel like I am getting swallowed whole. Holy mackerel, what's going on here? Where am I in this whole thing? It's why when you, you can be my age, 55 years old, and go back home to Milwaukee into a, a family reunion and you start feeling yourself reverting back to high school. You know what I mean? It's like, what's happening to me? Am I going to get pimples now? Maybe I'll get my hair back. I mean, it's like, there's some good things about me. You're trying to figure out what, wow, what's happening? It's because that's the family system that wants to pull you back. Now, that does not look very comfortable, does it? So what we do is this. We create space. Oh, no. You folks stay there. I'm going to stay here. It, we create a DMZ, a demilitarized zone. It's only safe if we have this space, right? And what it really looks like in life is, is kind of like this couple. Big gap. You stay there, I'll stay here. We go to our corners. And we do it as individuals. We do it as couples. We do it as families. We do it as extended families. But that is not good for anybody. I mean, do either of them look very happy. Mm -mm. Not very connected. This huge gap and... Right now, some of you are wondering, well, Mark, what does it look like to draw family boundaries then? And here's the difference. When there's a demilitarized zone, when you've got this space, the only way that your relationship exists peaceably is by persisting on that space. Boundaries are drawing lines of relationship to move you to greater connection. Demilitarized zones separate you permanently. We can't get along. We're in the Middle East of family life, you know. And so... You're, you're Iraq and, and I'm Israel, you know, so we've got to separate this thing out. But God's design for relationship looks much different than that. It should look like this. You know, you're the blue person and I'm the kind of gold brown person, but we have equal size, equal value, and, and we exist. We, we relate, we share life, but it's defined. And so I never expect you to be like me. And, and you never expect me. It looks like the Trinity where the Father celebrates the uniqueness of the Son and, and Jesus celebrates the uniqueness of the Spirit of God. And they're always celebrating. Aren't you glad that the Godhead never has these arguments about, you know, you took my space. You have more fans than me. The Holy Spirit's not grumbling like, no one ever talks about me in church. I always talk about you, Jesus. It's always about you. It's all about you. What about me? You know, and they, they don't hear that stuff, do you? Because, I mean, ew, scary if that would happen. So this kind of relationship that mirrors the Trinity is, is, is what God invites us into. But what we, we do in life is we, we go back and forth. We try to get close. So I say, man, I'm going to become 
friends with Rob, and I sit down with Rob, and I know he's just waiting for a hug, because that's Rob. See, but he, he starts pulling me in, help me, help me, you know, it's like, let go of me, Rob. So we, we got to have space. And the cycle goes back and forth. I want to be close to you, sucked into you, ah, panic distance. And the cycle goes round and round, doesn't it? So we have to say, okay, that's the problem. That's what we got to deal with. So, Mark, give us a solution. What does a solution look like for this situation so we can stop the madness, stop the craziness? What do we do? So you get this one verse glimpse of this family coming to Jesus and, and saying, you're crazy, man. We got we to get you in an asylum or something. And Jesus seems to just trek right through that until later on in the chapter, he says something very profound, and it's part of the solution for us. He looks around at those seated in a circle, and he said, here, here, here are my mother and my brothers, here, because this is who my family is, the ones that do God's will. That is such a packed statement for us to really lean into and learn about. That's what I want to spend the rest of my time helping to understand um, really practically, Mark, what does that mean? Because I, I watched your heads as I was talking about that family cycle of get close, get pulled in, whoop, draw lines. And how do you stop that crazy cycle? What Jesus is telling you in this, these two little nuggets where the family is coming saying you're crazy, now he's saying here's, here's who my family is. It's really how to do family without going insane. And it's also why it's so absolutely critical, people, that you do what you're doing, that you do a church that looks like restoration. I know Rob well enough to know this, that he is trying to do church as a family. And he didn't pay me money to say this. I mean, this is from my heart to him. I can tell you this honestly. At 55, been in ministry 30 years, if I was just going to sit in your chair and not be in ministry, I would be honored to have Rob as my pastor because he gets it. He understands the church should be family. And if there was ever an age and a time in our country where we desperately needed to see what could family look like, what you're doing is so critical. So when I drove in and I saw someone went out and put up restoration signs everywhere because I, I drove around your neighborhood to pray a little bit. I just asked God what he's doing here and, and listen in. But I saw those restoration signs everywhere. Who did that? God bless you and may your tribe multiply. I mean, it's, rain, it's pouring rain. He's out there putting out signs. And you know, I come in, you know, uh, down a cleaner, they're making coffee. So I sit down and we're talking. It, it, it's like, what you're doing is so incredibly important. It is the salvation of our society. And, and we've got to remember that Jesus is asking us to operate as family. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Mark, why is it that we have church splits or church fights or different things like that? It's because we, we slide off of what Jesus is saying here. Notice that he doesn't say, my family are the ones who are here to take me to the shrink. My family is who? This new God family. And I need to live out of that. So what, what does that look like? Well, 
first and foremost, there's, there's some things that you've got to get clear. What does it look like to live out of being in this family? Remember, all of our life when we're struggling with our family, whether it's trying to get in with our in-laws or with our family of origin, you know, you feel like, man, the only way I get in is if I conform. Now the invitation is God the Father comes and says, you're mine. I'm choosing you. I want you, I 